you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 58 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? If you are listening from the New England area, I hope you survived all the snow that we got on Sunday to end the week or to start the week. I know some people think the first day of the week is Sunday. Others say the first day of the week is Monday. Either way, I hope you're doing well. Hope you survive. Hope you didn't lose power. Hope you didn't blow out your back while shoveling. But anyways, let's get right into it. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. Pretty good week for the Boston Celtics, wouldn't you say? They won three out of the last four games. I predicted that they would go 4-0, but that's okay. They went 3-1 and this week. They beat the Kings, they beat the Nets, they lost to the Nets, and then beat the Knicks. And they are now currently 14-5, and and they are tied for third place in the Eastern Conference with... The Miami Heat, who the Celtics are playing at TD Garden on Wednesday night at 7.30. It's pretty cool to think about, but right now the Raptors, the Heat, the Celtics, and the 76ers, four out of the top five teams in the Eastern Conference, are all undefeated at home so far this year. So this shows how important the standings are. I know you may think it's a little crazy that I'm talking about the standings in December, but if All these teams are that good at home. Home court is vital come the playoff time. But it's also pretty cool that the between spots one and six, there's only a four and a half game difference in the Eastern Conference. It's pretty crazy. And speaking of the Eastern Conference, I was doing some research and I found an article and the Boston Celtics have the seventh easiest schedule out of all the Eastern Conference teams in the month of December. The Celtics only play one game outside of the Eastern time zone in the month of December. Yes, because we are now in December. Yes, so one game outside of the Eastern time zone in the month of December, and that is the road game on Wednesday, December 18th versus the Dallas Mavericks at 8.30. But when you think about the other games, Heat at home, Nuggets at home, Cavs at home, Indiana on the road. But guess what? That's okay. Eastern time zone, 76ers at home. Then you got that Dallas game. Then they play the Pistons and the Hornets at home. They go to Toronto on Christmas Day, still in the Eastern time zone. Cavs and Raptors at home. And then they go to Charlotte on New Year's Eve Day, which, again, is in the Eastern time zone. So this could be a really important stretch for the Celtics to either move their way up the standings or move away from some of the other teams in the standings to solidify their spot as maybe the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, whatever the case may be. But the two games this week, I think, are very, very important. You got the the Heat game. We haven't seen the Heat yet. You're tied for them for third place right now, so it'd be nice to expand that. They are on a three-game road trip right now. The final game of that three-game road trip is at TD Garden. So I'll be very interested to see. They had a really, really nice win against the Brooklyn Nets on Sunday afternoon. 
Gordon Grod Gordon or is it Gorgon? Yes, Gorgon Drogic came off the bench, dropped twenty four points. He had a really nice game. We'll preview that game in a little bit, and then the Devon Nuggets game, which we saw that the Celtics lost to them earlier. In the month of, I'm sorry, early, why, why can't I talk right now? A couple weeks ago against the, the Nuggets, the Friday before Thanksgiving, when Kemba got taken off in the stretcher. But let's get right into it and do your stud and dud of the week before we preview any of the other games. But let's do your stud and dud of the week right now. Hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your Celtics stud and dud of the week. Let's get right into it. It's Jalen Brown. He is your stud this week. He has played some great, great basketball. He scored 24 points against the Kings. He scored 22 points against the Nets in the first game at TD Garden. And then he dropped 28 points on Sunday versus the New York Knicks. But he played terrible in Brooklyn the day after Thanksgiving. I don't know what it was, but he played terrible. So you're like, why is he your stud? A quote that he had after the Nets win the night before Thanksgiving is why Jalen Brown is the stud. I really and truly think Jalen Brown was affected more than anyone last year with the Kyrie bullshit, the Gordon Hayward bullshit, whatever the case may be. I truly think that Jalen took the most offense to it and took it, he took it very personally, I think. But this quote right here just shows that Jalen is ready to move on. He's focused on right now, and that's all that matters. And this quote right here is why he is your stud this week. I think everything worked out for the better for everyone. I don't think anybody in Boston should have anything to complain or boo about, to be honest. I think we are winning, playing good basketball. The Celtics look good. Boston's fans should be nothing but happy. I think the energy should shift from that to being more positive. How awesome is that? And I completely agree. Yes, I am a Kyrie stan. I thought he would come back. I, I really, truly believed him. I think he's a hell of a basketball player. I understand he's a little bit of a dick. His Instagram post, to each their own. I bet you if Paul Pierce said that, you would have agreed with it. But that's my that's my case on that. But I also know that Paul Pierce wouldn't say that. But I think Jalen Brown, willing to say that, willing to move on, is awesome is absolutely awesome, not only for himself, but for this team, and we can all move past this Kyrie thing, because I hate the media still talking about it, I hate the fans are still talking about it, yes, what Kyrie did was a dick move, but let's move on, this team is 14-5, and five. they're tied for third place in the Eastern Conference, no one would have thought they would have started this well, so let's enjoy this run, let's enjoy it, please, and the dud of the week is Marcus Smart, I understand Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of this team, I understand how if this if this team wins ugly, it's because the game was ugly, and it's because Marcus Smart did some great, great things. Absolutely, 1,000%. I completely agree with you. But there are some times where Marcus Smart plays really, really bad basketball, and that's what he did this past week. He shot 4 of 18 from 3, which is gross. He shot 14 of 39 from the field, which is gross. The game that he had against the Knicks in the first half, he was 0 for 6 from the field before he got hurt. He, zero assists, just not like himself, forcing a lot of shots. He just wasn't the best Marcus Smart that we've seen this year. It kind of reminded me of the Marcus Smart like 
two or three years ago that I really disliked, and I don't want to get back to disliking Marcus Smart because of how good he's been this year and for most of the part last year. So that's your stud and dud of the week, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Let's recap the Kings game, which was great to see Marcus Smart get his revenge. The Celtics won 103-102. to If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, the Celtics lost to the Kings by Marcus Smart missing a shot right towards the end of the game. But he had a jumper drop. I think there was like less than 50 seconds to go in the game. It hit. He played pretty well against the Kings. I mean, if we're going to be honest, I think he he had what? seven? He shot 7-12 from the field. He had seven assists. He had five steals in that game. That game was great. Jalen Brown also had a crappy game, but he had three good games. So Marcus had one good game and then three crappy games. So again, you're starting to of the week. But the Celtics, I don't know. This game defensively was very frustrating. But then the game against the Nets on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, I personally think was even more frustrating. With that being said, I do not understand how Marcus Smart can get five steals and this team doesn't blow the Kings out of the water when the Kings, as the entire team, only had three steals, which shows that the Celtics took care of the basketball. I don't understand, and I'm going to talk about this when I talk about the Knicks thing, is how this team just can't put teams away. They couldn't put the Kings away, and it was so frustrating. And it's starting to the blame is starting to be on the defense. Buddy Heald went off in this game. He made the most three-pointers in a Celtics game ever. And what I mean by ever, I mean anyone who has played in a Boston Celtics game, whether that is for the Boston Celtics or versus an opponent of the Boston Celtics. He made 11 three-pointers in one game. The record for a Celtics player or an opponent is nine, and that was held by Antoine Walker. Buddy Heald 41 points in this game. In the two games that Buddy Heald played against the Celtics over the last like two weeks, he has scored 76 points, and he didn't take one goddamn free throw. How does that happen? So like, what? That makes no sense to me. The guy didn't take a single free throw, but he dropped 76 points, and he breaks an all-time Celtics game record by hitting 11 three-pointers? Absolutely crazy. And you know what's also absolutely crazy? Another terrible first quarter. Oh, my God. It was so bad. So, so bad. According to their efficiency, they are now the second worst first quarter team in the NBA. Yeah, but they're 14-5. and five. Where does that make sense? That's not going to work in the playoffs. That's not going to work down the stretch if you want to get the, the two seed, the three seed, the four seed. It's not going to work that way. The first quarters have to be better. But there is some positive about this. The second quarters, they are playing very well. And one individual in particular played very, very well. Kemba Walker missed this game. Tremont Waters got called down from Maine, or I guess you could say called up from the G League. He came in the second quarter, and he was fantastic. Even though his very first shot he took, he airballed a three. He finished the first half as a plus 14, which was a team high, that tied Jalen Brown for a team high. It was absolutely incredible. He was a huge part on why the Celtics kind of got back into this game, and the Celtics went on a 25-7 run to end the, the second quarter. 
And that was because of Tremont Waters. He was fantastic. He did all the little things right. He really controlled the game as a true point guard. Brad Wanamaker didn't have the best game here, but Tremont Waters played very, very well. And like I mentioned in the sudden dub of the week, Jalen Brown was great. Jalen Brown had a pretty good first half, but he came out in the third quarter and scored nine out of the Celtics' first 11 points. He shot nine of 16 from the floor, and he was very aggressive. Now, the negative about that is is Jalen Brown, we, we all can agree that Jalen Brown is a pretty good defender. I don't want to say a great defender like Marcus Smart is. I don't want to say a solid defender. He's a pretty good defender, but... He was on Buddy Heald for a majority of that third quarter, and Buddy Heald dropped 21 points in the third quarter. So that was a little, little frustrating. But a couple other positives from that game. Tatum dropped 20, but it wasn't a great 20. It was shaky, but the fact that he still had a meh game and he could still drop 20 points, I think is a great thing for the team, which just shows that he's... He's kind of grown up a little bit over the fact that he's not going to get frustrated by having bad games. He's going to keep shooting, and he's going to keep helping this team any any way that he can. So I think that's great to see. And then Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor was one rebound away from a double-double. And wait, hold on. Did someone say Ennis Cantor in rebounding? You're goddamn right someone did. And now it's time for another edition of Cantor Banjo. <laughs> He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cancer Banter, baby! Wow! Okay, let's get right into the Nets games. The The Nets and the Celtics had a home-and-home. Home. It doesn't really happen a lot in the NBA, but when it does, it is always pretty cool, especially against the uh, a, a division rival, especially with all the hostility between the Celtics and the Nets, but with Kyrie Irving and blah, 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 blah. So the Celtics won the first game at TD Garden, 121-110, to 110, and if you saw me on ESPN uh, sitting courtside at the game, that was me waving in my brand-new Celtics City Edition swag. And then they lose the second game, 112 to 107. The major issue here, and I think this is going to be a major concern going forward, and hopefully Brad and the rest of the coaching staff can figure it out, is the Celtics three point defense in these two games was so bad. Oh my God. So, 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 so bad. They allow more corner three pointers and allow opponents to hit more corner three-pointers than anyone else in the NBA. They are like the worst team at three-point shooting in the corner. It's terrible. They're 24th in three-point percentages in the league, which is beyond awful. But they allow more corner threes, they allow opponents to hit more corner threes, and and their opponents have like the sixth best, which is 24th worst, around that range, in the NBA, it's beyond awful. In game one of this two-game series, the Nets hit a season-high 21 three-pointers. And then in game two, they hit 17 three-pointers. So that means in two games, the Nets averaged 19 three-pointers a game. They, it was absolutely unbelievable. And it was so frustrating. And in the first quarter of the game at home on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, 
they couldn't defend Jared Allen on the pick and roll. DeAndre Jordan didn't play in that game. And then in the second game, they couldn't defend either of them in the pick and roll. Tice couldn't, Grant Williams couldn't, Time Lord couldn't, clearly Cantor can. I mean, he can't play defense to begin with, so he tried to do a pick and roll on that. It was absolutely unbelievable. And then, you know how I mentioned earlier in the year the Celtics were really aggressive in the passing lanes. They were getting a lot of steals, putting their hands up, deflecting passes with the little pistol things, ball man. They were so great. Like, Tatum's been doing really well with that. He Tatum, defensively this year, has been delicious. Absolutely delicious, and it's been really good. But the negative about that is, is... Sometimes the Celtics do take some nights off when they do that. And the uh, this is what drove me nuts. In these two games, the Nets had 62 assists on 82 made field goals. Now, as a fan of the sport of basketball, that is beautiful. That gives me chills. That makes me want to just slow dance, get in the mood. Oh, man, that's great. But by the Boston Celtics, that's terrible. That's ugly. That makes me want to projectile vomit all over this microphone that I'm talking into. You can't allow that. That means over 96 minutes of basketball, the New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, whatever the hell they're called now, made 20 field goals without someone passing the ball properly to someone else. But they made 62 others. Gross. Absolutely gross. Speaking of gross, in a good way, in like, you know, the millennial way. Oh, yo, that that was gross. That was so gross. He's so good. He's so gross. Joe Harris. Joe Harris from from the Brooklyn Nets. I keep saying New Jersey Nets. Sorry, guys. But Joe Harris from the Brooklyn Nets is ridiculous. Won 17 to 28 against the Celtics. And he just runs all over the place. I like to call him the homeless version of J.J. Reddick because J.J. Reddick's the best. And he just makes defenders just run all over the place. And the Celtics just couldn't figure out what this dude was. I I couldn't believe it. He had so many open looks. And what did I say in episode 57? Don't give Joe Harris open looks. He'll destroy you. And he did. And he got plenty of them. And it just didn't work out. The first game, kind of going back to the first game, Kemba Walker returned in this game. And he had a great first quarter. And the Celtics had a great first quarter. Kemba went off for 39 points overall in this game. He shot 60% from the field. I thought it was unbelievable that he came back this early from being taken off in the stretcher from the Friday before. The Celtics scored 30 points in this first quarter. They only gave up 23, which was great. And you're like, oh, man, they're so good in the second quarter. This is going to be a good, solid win. They're going to blow them out of the water. And then they allow the Brooklyn Nets to score 40 points in the second quarter. And you know how I talked about that bad three-point defense? The Nets hit 10 three-pointers in the second gross it's like they they do so many things right they pass the ball well i'm talking about the celtics they pass the ball well they defended well they rebounded well they forced turnovers it was a really really good first quarter it's everything that you wanted them to have everything that i've complained about they shut me up in that first quarter and then everything that they haven't done in the but everything that they have done in the second quarter so far throughout this entire year, they didn't do in the second quarter. So it brings me back to my point, and if you follow me on Facebook, at Banner Banter Podcast, I complain that I have yet to see a full 48-minute basketball game from this team. You could say the Spurs game was a full 48 minutes because of the blowout that it was, but technically it wasn't because there was so much garbage time in it. But 
I need that first quarter energy to carry over to the second quarter, to then carry over to the third quarter, and then carry over to the fourth quarter. So it wasn't a full 48 minutes. Kemba gave us a good 48 minutes. And I'm I'm happy about it. Well, I don't know a full 48, like a full good game from Kemba. But it was reasonable enough to be, I think, Kemba's best front-to-back, start-to-finish game as a member of the Boston Celtics. But as much as I complain about the first quarter and the second quarter, this team is just a second-half team. I mean, Kemba and Jalen, they combined for over 20 points in the third quarter. The Celtics did a great job adjusting to the Nets' three-point shooting because they allowed less than 10 three-pointers to be made by the Nets in the third and fourth quarter combined, and they allowed, I think, like 11 or 12 in that first half. So that was good. They made the proper adjustments. They closed out on shooters. They flew at the ball very well. They contested shots. So I was very, very happy about it. Kemba was great in the clutch. Jalen was great in the clutch. Marcus Smart made some nice defensive plays. So good, solid win at TD Garden on Wednesday night. And then we have Friday's afternoon game. I don't know why that game started at 12 o'clock. I don't know why the NBA scheduled it at 12 o'clock. Spencer Dinwiddie from the Brooklyn Nets, who had an unbelievable game, even tweeted out, why do we have to start this thing so, you know, so early? But this was a really bad game for Daniel Tice. Brad wanted to pull him a few times, but he wasn't contesting shots. He wasn't hedging. He wasn't talking. He banged knees in the second half, and so he didn't play a lot in the fourth quarter. I Actually, to be honest with you, I don't remember him playing in the fourth quarter at all, but he just had a terrible game. He couldn't keep up with Jared Allen. He couldn't keep up with DeAndre Jordan, whether it was a pick and roll. Whatever the case may be, it was so, so frustrating. This was a really crappy game for Marcus Smart, like I mentioned if I remember correctly, the dude shot the ball at a reasonable rate before this game. I think Marcus has been fine this year, like I mentioned, but he, Jalen Brown cannot have eight shots in a game. Jalen Brown needs more than eight shots in the game. Marcus Smart doesn't need 13 shots in the game. It should be the other way around. So Marcus Smart shouldn't be taking five or six shots away on a nightly basis from Jalen Brown. It just shouldn't be a thing. He was one of six from three. He wasn't that great. He's being forced. And you could say that one of the reasons why the Celtics lost this game is because of the piss-poor play of Marcus Smart. I was very happy with the Time Lord on the defensive end. There was one play that kind of drove me nuts where Marcus Smart was in foul trouble, and I obviously think that affected Marcus. I think the refs kind of got in Marcus's head in the second Nets game on Black Friday. But there was a play. If you take away this play that I'm about to talk about, I thought the Time Lord did very well defensively, for the most part. This play, uh, I think it was, was it Temple or Prince? It might have even been Pinson. Either way, one of their small forwards was taking a shot at the elbow, and the Time Lord was on the block against DeAndre Jordan. He tried to go out and block the shot. DeAndre Jordan, or maybe it was Jared Allen, got the defensive rebound, and because of it, and because of how hard Marcus Smart was like, trying to get the rebound he picked up a foul and that sucked that absolutely sucked and he picked up another foul I think Brad brought him to the bench and that's where Time Lord just needs to realize I'm not going to block a shot from a guy at the elbow I'm going to box out DeAndre Jordan instead get a rebound and help my team push it up the floor offensively the Time Lord had a couple nice little back-to-back buckets he had a left-handed hook over DeAndre Jordan which I thought was great That's definitely something they've been working on with him, which is good because obviously he has to do something more than 
catch alley-oops from Brad Wanamaker off pick and rolls and throw it down and get and ones. But if he can create like some post moves, a little baby hook, opposite hand, strong hand, whatever the case may be, that was great. He also hit an elbow jumper right at the free throw line, which I thought was very, very good. So overall, a good game from the Time Lord. His defensive IQ, I think, still needs some some work. But overall, I think the Time Lord had a one of those games where you're like, he's improving day by day. Something that is getting worse day by day is the Boston Celtics pick and roll defense, and you could see it in this game. Holy mother of God. Spencer Dinwiddie is a good, solid NBA talent, but Spencer Dinwiddie should not be dropping 30-plus points and 10-plus assists because he he could have done whatever he wanted out there. It was basically like it was basically like watching James Harden on the pick and roll. If the Celtics pick and roll defense continues this way when they play the Houston Rockets on Saturday, February 29th. Remember, 2020 is a leap year, folks. He's going to score 100 points. James Harden is going to score 100 points. Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, they had so many easy points. Alley-oops, layups, dunks, whatever the case may be. The Celtics had no post-presence whatsoever. Towards the end of the game when the Celtics were trying to fight back and fight back and claw back, and they almost got there. They got it down to like two or three points. Spencer Dinwiddie was getting double teamed, which then left him to pass the ball over to the wing and then the wing threw it down into the block to Allen or DeAndre Jordan easy buckets and they kept doing it and I kept getting more and more mad at Brad and it was just like what the hell are you guys doing stop doing it stop double teaming they're obviously figuring out and it was it was absolutely infuriating the other thing that was pretty infuriating too was the fact that Jason Tatum had a great game in the first and second quarter for the most part, the third quarter, and then again, he really wasn't—he wasn't found, and it's starting to annoy me, Brad. Braddy, Braddy, Brad, Brad. It's starting to annoy me. You're taking the ball away from the guy who has the hot hand. You need to fix it. I know you're not used to coaching all stars, but Jason Tatum's getting there. If he's hot, get him the motherfucking ball. Oh yeah. Guess what? The Celtics had another bad first quarter too. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy. Before we move on to the Knicks game preview, um, I, I really need to let you know about this. So the Celtics only scored 24 points. They allowed 31 in the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, the Celtics were plus 4. Then in the third quarter, the Celtics were minus 3. And then in the fourth quarter, the Celtics were plus 1. So I am impressed on how they responded from, from a terrible first quarter to a positive second quarter. I'm so angry about these bad first quarter starts. I'm, my mind literally goes black for about 30 seconds, so sorry about that pause there. But this has to change. It really, truly has to change. They can respond well, but you can't respond well in a seven-game playoff series. I'm, I, I know I'm repeating myself, folks, but I'm going to beat this into the goddamn ground until the Celtics start playing good, solid first quarters please Celtics please like you can't be a plus four a minus three and then a plus one which means you're even in quarters two three and four you lose by I think they lost by five points and you lost the first quarter by seven points it's not rocket science also some rocket science that I would like to see is a full 48 minutes of great basketball between Kemba Jalen and Jason I need those guys to score like 25, 25, 25. All three of them, like Kemba in the next game, which we'll talk about in about 30 seconds, had 15, and then Jalen and Jason combined for 58, which was great. 
I would just love like five or six more points from Kemba. And then he'd be like, wow, all three of those guys scored over 20 plus points. It would have been delicious. One last thing before the Knicks game, because before the Knicks game, we saw Gordon Hayward taking some jump shots, which was great to see. I really think he's going to be back December 9th, like I predicted against the Cavs at TD Garden for seat for Soldiers Nights. If you're a season ticket holder listening to this, I always suggest donating your tickets for the seat for Soldiers Night. It's a really, really cool cause. Anyways, Gordon Hayward saying he's on track being early, but it's up to the doctors. He's shooting. He's running five on zero drills with the team, which is great to see. He's staying in shape. His legs are still there. Remember, it's his left hand. It's his guide hand, so it doesn't need that much work. So obviously, it's going to take a couple games to get back into it. But if we can get Gordon back for that Thursday, December 12th game at 8 o'clock against the Philadelphia 76ers and have a full healthy team, I really and truly think that, and with about, at that point, we'll have about 22 games under our belt versus one game under our belt playing together because we did open up the season against the 76ers. I think that will go a really, really long way. But let's get into the next game. If you're listening uh, on a Monday, the game was yesterday. If you're listening on Tuesday, it was a couple days ago, and you're probably focused on the NFL, which is completely understandable. But the but the Celtics do get another inconsistent win, 113-104. to 104. The Celtics' biggest lead before they went on a ridiculous fourth quarter run was three. And I, like I mentioned with the Kings game, you could realize it in that Wizards game. Remember that Wizards game where the Celtics scored like four million points? They can never close teams out. And that's so frustrating to me because they should be able to close teams out. They should be able to put teams away. If they're up 10 points, make it 18, shut them up, have them wave the white flag and call it a day. And they just couldn't do that against this Knicks team. But the most important part of this is that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum took over in this game when Kemba had an off night. Jason had 30. Jalen had 28. They combined for 58 points. Jason had five boards. Jalen has four or five boards as well. But most importantly, Jason Tatum was his passing, his IQ, his ball movement, his court vision was awesome. He had a career high, seven assists. Kemba realized it wasn't his night. Kemba only dropped 15. And he realized, hey, these two guys are pretty good. I've never played with these type of guys before that are this good. He's played with some pretty good guys, but not guys that are good as Jalen and Jason. And he had 10 assists, which is the most that he's had in a Celtics uniform. And I think that's great. If Kemba scored like, let's say five more points, and Kemba's dropping 20 and 10, Jason's dropping 30, Jalen's dropping 28, then you have Gordon come in, he could drop 15 or 16. That takes so much pressure off of Wanamaker and Time Lord and Tice and Grant Williams, etc., etc. Marcus Smart did get hurt in this game. That kind of sucked, but it might be a good thing. Marcus Smart has worked his tits off, his dick off, whatever the case may be, whatever the saying may be. He needs a couple days rest. He got hit in the abdomen area. Remember last year how he like strained his oblique muscle? It could be the same issue. He might miss He might miss this entire week, and that's okay. Marcus Smart probably is so battered and bruised. 19, 20 games into the season, it's really not that healthy for the Celtics. And I think some of his play is affecting the Celtics. I mean, for him to have zero assists, zero made field goals, and to make some really 
dumb decisions in that first half of the Knicks game before he got hurt. Kind of really, I don't want to say it was the reason why the Celtics couldn't really take that step away from the Knicks, and that's why their biggest lead before they went on that run was only three. But Marcus Smart hasn't played that great in the last two games, and I think he's just a little beat up, and we appreciate that. But, hey, bud, go home, get some rest, take a couple days off from practice, and then hopefully we'll see you for the Miami Heat game. If not, we'll see you for the Nuggets game on Friday, December 6th. Two more things about this uh, Knicks game before I preview the Heat and Nuggets game for you. Semi Ojale. As we know, Semi Ojale is not on my good side. I don't like Semi Ojale as a basketball player. I think he's a great person. I know he does a lot of great things. But with that being said, I don't think Shemi's a great player. He was a great player in this New York Knicks game. Shemi Ojale loves the afternoon starts. Remember when? Shemi hit like those three or four three-pointers like in a row against the Kings. That was a 3:30 game. Shemi Ojale played some huge clutch minutes in the third in the fourth quarter, including hitting a game-tying three in the fourth quarter at a 3:30 start as well. So any game that starts at 3:30, Shemi Ojale is your man. Absolutely. Mr. Matinee himself. Like Absolutely incredible, incredible stuff. Another guy who was great, Ennis Cantor. His first double-double in a Celtics uniform, 11 points, 11 rebounds. I'm not going to do Cantor banter. Ooh, I burped. Well, I haven't burped in a couple episodes. So shout out to my buddy John Curley. I know he loves when I burp. But Ennis Cantor, 11 points, 11 rebounds. He kept the Celtics in the game. The Knicks got out to a lead that were like 8, 9, might have even been double-digit points in the third quarter. But Ennis Cantor's offensive rebounding was vital for the Celtics to stay in that game and only be down four or five going into that fourth quarter. But man, the way the Celtics closed out their that game on a 26 to 11 run, their defense was their offense. They forced a lot of tough shots for the Knicks to make and they got the ball and they ran. They got missed shots. They ran on the floor for easy buckets and they really were able to fight back and win, which we love to see. We love to see the Celtics come back. We love to see the Celtics win ugly, blah, 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 blah. I want the Celtics to play a great basketball game from start to finish, not when there's only seven minutes left in the game. I know it's exciting. I know it's cool, but yeah, no, I'll pass. I'd rather be dominant for all 48 minutes than versus the final seven. But hey, you know what? A win's a win, 14-5 and five through 19, two important games this week, tied for third in the East. You can't complain about it. You, you really, really can't. So let's preview... These two games that we have this week, both at TD Garden, 7.30, Wednesday night, Miami Heat, 8 o'clock, Friday night, TD Garden against the Denver Nuggets. I believe both games are on ESPN. If the Heat game isn't on ESPN, I know for sure the Nuggets game is on ESPN. Before the season started, started, obviously I did my season preview and I thought like the Heat would be like the 7th or 8th seed. I really wasn't high on them and they're proving me wrong. Top four in the East, undefeated at home. I'm shocked. Um, is their record as good as we think they are? Sure. I mean, they've lost to the Rockets. They've lost to the Bucks. They've lost to the Nuggets. They've lost to the 76ers. They've lost to the Lakers. They did beat the Nets yesterday, or if you are listening, on Sunday. So they are still a good basketball team because even though they lost to the Bucks and they have lost to the Rockets, they have also 
beat the Rockets and also beat the the Bucks as well. So, but the great thing about the Miami Heat is their balanced scoring attack. You, of course, you have Jimmy Butler. He's an all-star, one of the best players in the league, one of the best two-way players in the league because he's an elite defender. And that brings up the question, who is he going to guard? Is he going to guard Jalen or is he going to guard Jason? What are they going to do with Justice Winslow? Justice Winslow hasn't played a lot for them lately. Justice Winslow is a great defender. He can. I don't want to compare him to Marcus Smart in any way, shape, or form because I think Marcus Smart is much, much better than he is. But Justice Winslow, as a dookie, I know that he can play the one, the two, the three, the four, and if needed, he can be physical enough to play the five defensively in this league. And he's very, very good at it. But outside of Justin Swinslow, outside of Gorgon Drogic, who does this team have? Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, you could argue, could be the rookie of the year so far. Maybe, maybe not in the overall league, but at least in the Eastern Conference. He's been great. Who the hell is he? Well, it's funny that you ask because I did some research. He went to Illinois for three years. And then if you remember a couple, uh, like two years ago, yeah, I think it was two years ago, when Oakland University or the University of Oakland went on their fun little NCAA tournament run, he was their star player. He went undrafted in 2008. He played for the Warriors G League last year, and he finally got brought up this year. And he's only 6'2". He's a 6'2 shooting guard, but he's the starting point guard. Like Gorgon Drogic, former... NBA All-Star, an elite NBA point guard, is now taking a back seat to let Kendrick Nunn be the starter for this team. And Kendrick Nunn, he shoots 47% from the field, 40% from three. He's averaging 16 a game. He's a good player. And the fact that Gordon Drogic can be a backup is huge. And with that being said, Brad Wanamaker is going to have his hand full. And whether it's Brad Wanamaker or Carson Edwards, with Gordon Drogic on the I I'm having a hard time saying that name. So with Drogic on the floor, Brad Wanamaker is going to have some trouble. Drogic is physical, just like Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker is built. Drogic is pretty physical, but he's much faster than Brad Wanamaker is. So if I could put Carson Edwards' speed with Brad Wanamaker, I think it'd be a pretty pretty good matchup. But the bench for this Heat team is pretty pretty good. You got Drogic, you probably will have Justin Swinslow coming off the bench, and then Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero, the kid that the Celtics were about to draft put them at thir- at 14, but the Miami Heat took him at 13. He can shoot lights out. You also have <clears throat> Kelly Olynyk, who can forget Kelly Olynyk, a reasonable NBA player. That's probably the nicest thing I'll ever say about him. Then you have James Johnson. He always gives the Celtics trouble. Just a hustle guy, runs the runs the floor well, gets a lot of rebounds, very good defensively. So with Drogic, Winslow, James Johnson, Tyler Hero, Kelly Olynyk, that's a good solid bench. I don't know if it would be like you know a fourth or fifth worst team in the NBA. You know, just those five as your starting lineup, but it, it it's a pretty good bench. But some of the other things that the Heat, the Heat do well, it, the Heat are physical. They have two athletic bigs, Myers Leonard and Bam, I can never pronounce his name, Bam Abayo. And by the way, speaking of Bam, I became a godfather for the third time over the weekend to my niece, baby Allison Marie. That's what my other niece, Rara, calls her. So I became a godfather for the third time to my beautiful niece, 
Allison Marie Roberts, a.k.a. Bam Bam. So, love you. Hope you had a great day. I know you won't remember it, but I sure as hell will. Anyways, Bam Abayo? Abayo? Ababo? Anyways, I'm just going to call him Bam. He's really, really good. He's everything we want the Time Lord to be. A freak of nature athlete, super physical, can block any shot that comes his way, can run both ends of the floor. Myers Leonard is exactly what we want Ennis Cantor to be. Physical, good footwork, not only offensively or while getting rebounds, but defensively. Myers Leonard is jacked. Myers Leonard has no problem throwing someone a nice little forearm while they're in the post. And I'm going to be really, really interested to see how someone like Grant Williams goes up against Myers Leonard. And I really think this BAM versus Time Lord situation will be a lot of fun to watch if they're out there on the floor at the same time. Now, the Heat are a very, very good defensive team. They're second overall in the league with steals per game. The Celtics, they're third. The Heat, top 10 defensive rating. Celtics also have a top 10 defensive rating. So that's going to be very, very interesting. But the most important part with this Miami Heat is like the Nets with their ball movement, they take great shots. That's why they are top five in the league in field goal and three-point percentage. But here's the thing that the Celtics have to take full advantage on. I know I've been asking them a lot about this, but the Heat are the 20th best team, a.k.a. 10th worst rebounding team in the league. The Celtics are in the top 10 for rebounding in the league. Somehow, someway. I don't know how. I think it's a lie. But I was just looking over like, wow, the Heats are a bad rebounding team. I wonder where the Celtics Oh, my God. So bottom 10 versus top 10. So the Celtics have to limit their offensive rebounds for the Heat and re- win the rebounding battle. And I think, I think they can take, overall, take the third overall spot in the Eastern Conference with this game on Wednesday night. The Nuggets. I don't know how the Celtics are going to beat the Nuggets. I really don't. I'm just keeping it real with you guys. <laughs> and watch. They'll probably lose to the Heat and then beat the Nuggets, knowing my luck. But the last time these teams the, the last time these two teams played was the Friday before Thanksgiving. That was the game where Kemba got taken off the floor in the stretcher. It was the last game of their five game West Coast road trip. So obviously being at home for like a whole entire week will be a good thing for the Celtics. The Nuggets are playing the night before, so they'll be on the second night of a back-to-back. I believe that they're playing the Knicks the night before. It's either the Knicks or the 76ers, but I think it's the Knicks. But the Celtics cannot come out and shoot poorly. Last time that they played, they while Kemba was still playing, because remember, I think Kemba got taken out in the second quarter. They started 1 of 10 from the field. Jalen, Jason, and Kemba were combined 1 of 13. They only scored 13 points in the first quarter. Then they only had 20 one points in the second quarter, but somehow they were still down 11. The Nuggets bench loves to play, loves to play, but the Nuggets bench, when they're off, they're not that good. So the Celtics bench, just like I mentioned last week um, or two weeks ago when they did play him, are, are key. Time Lord, he had a really good game against the Nuggets last time. Brad Wanamaker, he had a terrific game last time. Javante Green had another great game. Those three guys helped that comeback to try and get this game close before Jamal Murray went off with about two or three minutes to go. But one other thing, the Nuggets love to play a little ugly. They're 8-0 when they hold their opponents under 100 points. So the Celtics have to take good shots. Celtics have to attack the rim and have to play some really, really good 
high up-tempo offense in this game. And like I mentioned in episode 56, and it showed up in episode 57, you have to run, run, run against this team. You have to run against the Nuggets. The The Celtics had 13 more fast break points against the Nuggets a couple weeks ago. And if you're running, that means you're getting easy points and you're getting points in the paint. And who knows, hopefully it will wear Jokic out a little bit because he's not the most in-shape person in the entire world. I think we can all realize that. But I did enjoy how aggressive the Celtics defense was a couple weeks ago in the first 45 minutes of the game. Obviously, the Nuggets are a very good offensive scoring team, but the Celtics made them play poorly, and I thought that was really good. Now, remember how I mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, their pick-and-roll defense? The pick-and-roll defense has to improve immediately against Jamal Murray and Jokic because the two of them will wash the floor with the Celtics. That's what they did in the final three minutes of that game a couple weeks ago. It was Jamal Murray set a screen, Jokic got the ball back, he would find someone or he'd hit a shot, or if the screen was good enough, Jamal Murray would pull up right in front of the arc, take a jumper, and he'll hit it. Now, obviously that was at home. Can he do it on the road? Yes, I think Jamal Murray is that good of a player where he can do that. So uh, I think the Heat game is a very winnable game if the Celtics play ugly, play their game, but they start off strong. The Nuggets game, I think if the Celtics do the little things right, they run, they rebound well, they they try and take Jamal Murray out of his game. They try and limit Jokic. Jokic is going to get 15 points. Jokic is going to get 10 rebounds. Jokic is going to get 8 assists. We know that. But if you can get him out of shape, get him out of foul trouble a little bit, the Celtics could go 2-0 and this week, or if you include the next... Yeah, they'll go... As long as they split. I don't want the Celtics to lose both games this weekend. That's obvious. But if they can split, I think that will be a great thing for this basketball team. Absolutely. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening this week. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can always email me at BannerBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe or like, leave a rating, leave a comment about the podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Really appreciate you guys listening. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving as well. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.